0: You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Whitwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. You can't judge communication by volume of talk
1: or volume as in decibel level. But communication is this, very simply, always remember this, it is the sharing of meaning. Communication is sharing what you mean to share. Genuine successful communication happens when I understand as the listener what you meant to say as the speaker. You know how important that is in a home between spouses or parents and children?
0: Wherever we turn these days, we see strong communication as being someone who talks. Whether it's the news, academia, or talk shows, well, we've been conditioned to believe that those with the strongest communication skills talk the most. Today, Pastor Jeff explains that this idea of communication couldn't be further from the truth. It's not about talking the most, but instead is about being the most attentive listener you can be. Change the trajectory of the relationships in your life by letting God's love speak through you. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Psalms, chapter 101, as he begins his message, What You Say and How You Say It.
1: Well, it's home improvement time. They're bringing out my fence. They're bringing out Wilson. Anybody in here never see Home Improvement? Raise your hand if you never saw it. Now that's, that's amazing. Everybody has seen Home Improvement. And you remember, just give you a course you know since you've all seen it, but Tim, the head of the family, was always the bumbling, fumbling, kind of always befuddled dad of the home as most sitcoms place dads. And he would always go out back when he was perplexed and there was Wilson looking over the fence and he'd go and he would say, well, Wilson, it's the wife, it's the kids, it's the money, it's the job. And he would always spout out something from Buddhism or Hinduism or some other ism. And I used to always wish, can they just one time put a, a quote from Jesus in Wilson's mouth? Because it would, look at this, everybody has seen it. It would have reached so many millions. So I'm fulfilling my fantasy and I'm going to put a, you know, a couple of the words of Jesus in Wilson's mouth because you really haven't gotten wise until you've turned to Christ. He is the wisdom of God, okay? Now, I want to talk to you today about home improvement. Everybody needs some improvement in your home? Well, that's an overwhelming amen. This isn't just for married people, though I will be addressing married people a lot. It's for singles because singles have a home. I think you live in a home, right, singles? And so I'm going to be talking to you today about the importance of what you say and how you say it. What you say and how you say it. Let's look at Psalms 101, verse two, because this is the household Psalm. And I want you to notice that David has a prayer. When will you come to me? It's a question, but it's a prayer. He's wanting God to move in his life. And so here's what he says. I know I'm waiting on you, God. So here's the way I'm going to conduct myself as I wait. I will be careful to live a life without blame. I will walk where everybody within my house. Notice not at school, not at church, not, but it begins where in my house. And what will he walk in with a right? God in the house, God in our house. I pray for a breakthrough on marriages, a breakthrough on homes, a, great, a breakthrough. Is, is that a Bible verse that ought to be on your refrigerator? Seriously, this is what, what ought to be the guidepost of the home. I'm going to be quick to listen. I'm going to be slow to speak. And I'm going to be slow to get mad. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today. And I pray that we will experience God in the house. God in our house. I pray for a breakthrough on marriages, a breakthrough on homes, a, great, a breakthrough in the atmosphere of our homes, that the atmosphere will be permeated with the presence of God and not with strife, not with anger, not with division, not with anything that is not of God. But Lord, let, us, let, let Jesus be welcome in every home. Now, will you breathe a prayer, church, and say, welcome to my home, Lord. Let me experience God in the house. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn your neighbor and tell them, God in the house. God in the house. Now, the reason I'm sharing this series on the home is because when a family is hurting, there is no pain like family pain. Nobody can hurt you like your spouse and nobody can bless you like your spouse. Nobody can drive a stake in your heart like your kids or vice versa. The home is the battleground. If we can get the victory in the home, we get the victory in the church. Because what we have here right now is a whole bunch of households gathered together. And if the households come having experienced God in the house, then we bring overflow revival into the church. So we want God in the house. Now, if you live in a family, you don't need me to tell you how challenging it is to live in peace. Even in church-going Christian homes, let's be honest today, we're going to take the halos off, or we're going to get real. But even in Christian homes where everybody's going to heaven, there is yelling, nastiness, tension, division, and sometimes even violence. The speaker at a woman's club was lecturing on marriage and asked the audience how many of them wanted to mother their husbands. One member in the back row raised her hand. The speaker said, you do want to mother your husband? Oh, I'm sorry, the woman responded. I thought you said smother. <laughs> now, are not <isn't> that real? <laughs> Amen. Do you know that it's not God's intention for our home to be filled with strife, filled with anger, filled with tension, filled with division, any of that. That's not the will of God. Because we've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb and what we experience in church, God wants us to experience at home. Now isn't that a revolutionary thought? But it's true. God wants your home to have joy, not anger and division. Listen, joy in the home will change you. Joy in the home will change your spouse. Joy in the home will change your children. Let me tell you what this series of messages is not. It is not a quote, how to get those rotten people you live with to behave better. Amen. This is God's plan for your home as revealed in the word of God. It is clear to me, David was saying, Lord, come into my house, come into my home. It is the will of God that we experience him in our house. Now stop and think about it. How often is your house Filled with the joy of the Lord, with the peace of God, with the presence of his spirit. Give an honest assessment of it. Because I'm going to tell you, it doesn't come naturally. It takes work. It takes decision. It takes resolve. That I am not going to allow strife and anger to rule my home. If you're defeated at home, you're going to be defeated in almost every other area of life. Because it all begins there. And the Lord loves your home. The Lord loves your family. The Lord is completely for your marriage. And if you're single, he wants to permeate your home. He wants to be the, the special guest that's there all the time. Now, last time we saw that communication breakdown is the number one reason that homes are troubled in our day. Communication breakdown is the major number one culprit in the home. I tell our church staff often, 98% of church problems are communication based. They are not real problems. They are communication problems. And if you can solve the communication issue, you'll solve the unrest. Communication is so important. If we don't learn good communication skills, we can come to the place and will come to the place of either divorce or living under the same roof in our own private cold war. Now, what is a marital cold war? It's when two people who once said, I do, become roommates that share the same bills, eat at the same table, raise the same children, but they do not share life together. They are co-mortgage payers. They are... People who live together but don't flow together, live together but are not intimate with one another, live together but it's a truce. It's not sharing life together. Do you know that's not the will of God for you? So, recapping from last time, let me ask you a million dollar question. What is genuine communication? Is it when you just talk? No. Is it when you just listen? No. Because some of the biggest talkers are the worst communicators. You can't judge communication by volume of talk or volume as in decibel level. But communication is this. Very simply, always remember this. It is the sharing of meaning. Communication is sharing what you mean to share. Genuine successful communication happens when I understand as the listener what you meant to say as the speaker. You know how important that is in a home between spouses or parents and children? Kathy and I learned through some tough times a very important lesson. We learned to do this when we talk about something that could be combustible or could be a source of strife. When one of us is talking, when that one is finished, we don't interrupt, slow to speak, we don't interrupt, we let them finish, and then we say, now let me tell you what I think I just heard. Is this what you meant to say? And you know how often? Sometimes she'll say, yeah, that's exactly what I meant to say. Sometimes she'll say, where did you get that? And I say, well, that's what I thought I heard you say. No, that's not what I meant to say at all. Okay, good. Then we're understanding each other. What did you mean? To say. And then I listen. And we will listen to each other until we know what you intended to tell me. I understand. I get it. I know what you meant. When that happens, when the sender of a message is understood by the receiver of the message, successful communication has happened. Now, this is what frustrates teenagers so much. That they'll be trying to communicate something. And as parents, we think we know how to respond before they're finished. So we jump in and we interrupt. Even if it sounds loony, and it often does, it's like what got into your brain from Mars and told you that? But it's real to them. It's real to them. Real, authentic, effective communication requires two skills. And I want you to get this down first. Listening to understand, like I just described to you, listening to understand. I'm going to listen until I understand what you mean to say. Second one, speaking to be understood. Now, last time we dealt with listening to understand, be quick to hear. Today, I want to talk to you about speaking to be understood. It says, be slow to speak. The Bible all the time talks about thinking before you say something and measuring your words because in a moment of a heated discussion, you pop off with things you wish you could get back. It's like an email, you hit send and it's gone. How many of you have ever sent an email and two seconds later said, oh, I wish I could bring that send back? That's how words are. Words are just like sending an email. You hit send, they're gone and you can't get them back. So he said, be slow to speak. That means I'm listening and I'm gonna let you finish And I'm going to look for what you really mean to say. And I'm not going to think that I'm so incredibly intelligent and beyond you that I'm going to interrupt you all the time before you have a chance to communicate. So the very first thing is we've got to beware of the power that lies in the words we speak. My words right now have power, power to change lives. Power to bring peace to home. Because I'm preaching and teaching the word of God. What was Jesus called? The word. Because words have power. God spoke and said, let there be. And when he spoke, it had power. Our words have power over other people. Two psychologists studied newlyweds over the first decade of marriage. They discovered that couples who stayed together uttered five or fewer put-downs for every 100 comments to each other. Now I'm going to read that again. Psychologists looking at newlyweds studied them for a decade after they were married, and they discovered that couples who stayed together uttered five or fewer put downs for every 100 comments to each other. But couples who inflicted twice as many verbal wounds, 10 or more put downs out of every 100 comments, later split up. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that enlightening? Isn't that sobering? It matters how we talk to each other. You see, you can destroy or you can give life. The Bible is filled with statements about the power of words and what they do to those that that hear the words we speak. Now, as I read some of the passages out of Proverbs and James, I want you to place every passage I read in the context of your home. Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue can bring death or life and those who love to talk will reap the consequences. That's why it's not wise to be a big gabber because the more you gab, the higher your chances of saying something you ought not say, amen? It says those that love to talk are gonna reap the consequences. So the tongue can bring death or the tongue can bring life where in the home. We all remember the playground philosophy, don't we? This statement, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. And yet, while we were speaking them, we knew that that was not true. When we were saying them, we knew that wasn't so. Because it's not true. Words do hurt. As a matter of fact, words uniquely hurt is almost worse than actually being physically hit. Words go deep. They go to the marrow of our bones. They have the ability to make or break a child, make or break a marriage, make or break a working relationship. What we say to members of the household can kill or bring life, ruin self-esteem or lift them up, discourage or encourage, destroy their sense of worth or build it up, grieve the spirit of God out of our home or invite him in. It works both ways. The Bible says a word fitly spoken and in due season is like apples of gold in settings of silver. What a beautiful picture. Golden apples in a frame of silver. And that's what words rightly spoken, words of life, words of edification, that's what they're like. It's a picture. Golden apples, silver frame. I can think of a handful of people early on in my life True testimony here, who I know were sent by God to speak encouraging, uh, upbuilding visionary words into my life. Because when I came to the Lord, I had no self confidence at all zero, none. I thought I was the smallest person in the room. I didn't have any confidence to speak my mind, (laughs) believe it or not, because God has changed me. But I didn't believe I could do anything good, I didn't think I could do anything right. I didn't do th- think I could do anything successfully. I had no self-esteem, no sense of self-worth. How I got there, I don't know, but I know I got there. And here comes these people into my life, just a handful of them, a precious married couple, and a few others, and they began to say to me things like this, Jeff, God's calling you. He's got his hand on you. You're an owner of the Lord, you can do this. You're called to teach and preach the word of God. And when they first started telling me, I would always look behind me, Wilson. Always, I always thought they were talking about somebody else. Well, Jeff, you should have known Jesus was changing your life and anointing you and calling you. I agree. I agree. And their words became like silver in my pocket. You know why? Because I began to believe what they were saying. I began to see what they saw. And God used their words to lift me up, strengthen me, encourage me. It didn't puff me up. It lifted me up. There's a difference. And it lifted me up and encouraged me. It was them that pushed me forward to get my first testimony in the juvenile home where I had been saved. They did it. They just kind of stood me up there and said, talk. And so I talked and I thought it was horrible. And yet when I sat down, I was surrounded by young men that wanted to be saved. And I saw God's working in my life. They've been telling me the truth. See, words are powerful. Death and life, death and life. Life and death are in the power of what you say, the words you choose to use in your home. They helped me believe in the God in me, and it changed my life. Even when I failed, which was often enough, they would come back with life-giving, confidence-inspiring, forgiving words. And they helped me. What kind of words do you use around the home? Do you know the home should be the primary place that these kinds of encouraging, uplifting, confidence-building, affirming words are used? It ought to be happening in the home. Because watch this. Your home is a team. If one loses, you all lose. If one wins, you all win. Why would you shoot down members of your home? You want them to win. Amen. Amen. The Bible teaches that words and how we use them are going to produce bad or good consequences in our home, depending on what we choose to use. Proverbs 6.2 says, you are snared with the words of your mouth. You are taken with the words of your mouth. Proverbs 12.13 says, an evil man is trapped by his sinful talk, but a righteous man escapes trouble. And then one of my favorites, this ought to be on the refrigerator. Some people make cutting remarks, says Proverbs 12:18, "But the words of the wise bring healing. We can either do a cutting remark, criticize, condemn, undermine, be picky, or we can lift them up and bring healing. You can bring healing to a person by what you say to them. Isn't that powerful? An evil man is trapped by the wrong words, but the right man brings healing with the words he uses. Cutting remarks or healing remarks, the choice is ours in the home. So the words that we speak in the home are hugely important. How do you use them in the home? Think about it. The Bible says examine yourselves and and check out your spiritual life. And I got to tell you, I've used terrible words in the home. I've made big mistakes with it because I was such a natural lawyer-prosecutor type. So to me, it was all about winning an argument and losing a war. Then the Lord said to me one time, you're not being fair. You need to step back, be quiet, and let them talk. Well, y'all are so quiet in here today. You're making me nervous. Here's the second thing I want to tell you about it. If you want things to change in your home, change what you say in your home. Isn't that simple? Well, it's got to be more complicated than that, Pastor Jeff. No, I'm, I'm sorry, it's not. If you want things to change in your home, you begin with what you say in your home yeah. and how you say it. Yeah. Listen carefully to what James tells us about the power of words. This is so, so good. And as I read this, remember to place it in the context of your home. James 3, verses 3 to 5. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can get a great forest on fire. Now listen to those illustrations. A huge ship is turned by a tiny rudder underneath the water that you can't even see. A powerful horse is controlled by a tiny bit in his mouth. This muscle, this brawn, this power is all turned around by a tiny, seemingly insignificant bit in his mouth. And a raging forest fire is ignited by one little spark. Three large, powerful things are controlled by something very small. And and, and in the first service, it really hit me as I read this. It said a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. See, there can be strong, negative winds blowing against your home, trying to destroy it. But you have a secret. It's in between your teeth.
0: Do you ever experience communication breakdown? Do you ever have catastrophic fights with others simply due to a miscommunication? As Pastor Jeff explained, if you want to experience mature change in your relationships, you need to let God rule your life. The more you hold on to the bitterness that is holding you hostage, the further you'll be from those you care about the most. Be transformed by the power of God's free gift of grace. You've been
1: listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Would you be interested in helping support this ministry as we further the gospel? All you have to do is text 817-484-4767
0: and enter the word GIVE to donate. We are so grateful for your continued support in listening to this program and also investing in the ministry. Once again, text GIVE to
1: 817-484-4767 to GIVE.
0: One of the most difficult things for us to deal with is hurtful words. It doesn't matter how confident or successful we are. Usually when someone uses words to wound us, it leaves a lasting scar. Pastor Jeff, in his next message, explains that if you want to protect yourself from the harm of words, turn to God's free gift of grace. If you want to exude mercy like never before and fight off the pain that has been holding you back, let Jesus into your heart and be saved. That's all we have for today's edition of Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you can download it from our website, hardwired.org. Be sure to tune in again as Pastor Jeff continues teaching through the series, Home Improvement, next time on Hardwired.